Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They say the third time's the charm. Big Ten football fans will certainly hope so. Football schedule 3.0 and more on today's episode of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. It is September 30, 2020. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined as always by MLive's Michigan State beat reporters, Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel. Uh, Matt, the, the calendar is creeping towards October. Can you feel football in the air? Not really, to be honest. I believe it when I see it. It's been, uh, you know, the stop and starts for uh, six months now. And uh, when the the season's actually kicked off in the Big Ten, then I'll believe there's actual football. Fair enough. What about you, Kyle? Have you gotten into some of the early action? We had the the SEC come back last weekend, a couple shockers on Saturday. Are are you getting into this at all? I am. I mean, I, you know, I feel like we kind of had a slow start, you know, with some of the minor leagues playing first, but last week, I mean, I, you know, watching LSU lose the way they did Mississippi state, uh, Oklahoma, it felt like a true college football Saturday. I felt like Saturday for the first time this year. For sure. And we also had uh, Texas uh, in a close, close shave to Texas tech. And of course uh, the Miami hurricanes who are sort of my adopted team after the Spartans and central Michigan putting a hurt on the Florida State Seminoles, that was just absolutely glorious to watch from Hard Rock Stadium. Guys, I've been watching everything. I don't care if it's uh, – I was at a softball game on Thursday night, and players are like, who's winning the the, the Jaguars-Dolphins? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm locked into UAB South Alabama. What are you guys doing? Like, Come on. That's the A game on the schedule. But uh, anyways, happy to have football back. Uh, as I said on today's episode, uh, hopefully this will be sort of like our last big – off-season topic discussion before we actually start, you know, prepping for the season opener and uh, what's going on in practice and whatnot. Uh, The Spartans uh, started padded practice today, or they're going to start practice today for the first time in a very long time. Uh, I'll let Matt talk about that here in a bit. Uh, But before we tackle football and everything going on there, uh, just want to take a a brief pivot to the basketball schedule. Uh, because we've also gotten some news on that front recently. So, so Kyle, I'll toss it to you. Um, Tom Izzo's non-conference schedule is notoriously difficult every year. So what are we looking at for a basketball start date? And uh, what's the early schedule looking like for Tom Izzo's bunch? Well, believe it or not, uh, I think it's actually going to be a tougher non-conference schedule uh, for Michigan State this year, if you can believe it or not, because of the pandemic. Uh, what we learned this week is what the first week of the season is going to look like. They're starting... Thanksgiving week now, which is about two weeks later than usual. 
Um, so they're going to start actually with a Thanksgiving tournament. That's the Orlando one. And it's going to be pretty much the same time frame they were going to play it originally. Um, and that's going to be 18 field, really good 18 field. Um, Gonzaga is kind of the headliner along with Michigan State. But you got Xavier, St. Louis, Belmont, some really good, solid uh, mid-major teams in there. Uh, so that's going to be a tough test. That's going to be three games in three days. And then kind of the, the news this week is that they're going to turn around and they're going to play Duke. Uh, I think it's four days later at the same site in Orlando. So Michigan State's going to go down to Orlando one time, uh, do champions and Orlando Invitational. They can combine kind of these two events into one trip, which I know they wanted to do just from a health perspective and to minimize travel. Uh, but for them, it's going to mean, you know, four games in that first week uh, could play Gonzaga and Gonzaga could be number one when they play him. And if they're not one, they'll be two. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're going to play Duke right there, and you, you're going to play one or two other good teams. So it's going to be a very difficult first week, um, and it's kind of what you expected. Um, but, you know, I, I talked to Kevin Pauga. He, he works for Michigan State last week. He's their kind of their chief scheduling guru, and um, it's going to end up being a non-conference, a tough, tough non-conference schedule overall because um, you look at what the NCAA did. They, they reduced the number of games by four because they're starting late. And basically the four games that Michigan State's going to lose are probably their four easiest ones. It's going to be for these buy games where, uh, you know, if you're not familiar, that's where you pay an opponent to come play you at your place. So for Michigan State, that's your game against Eastern Michigan or Houston Baptist or Savannah State or um, or Backwoods, who knows where, you know, those teams you never heard of before that they win by 40. Um, those games are probably going to, most of them are going to come off the schedule. So what's left, you know, you take those games off the schedule, it's your hardest games. You know, they're still going to play Big Ten ACC Challenge. Gavit games could still be played. Um, so it's going to be a tough schedule. There's only going to be seven of them, but they're all going to be pretty tough. Um, and I, I'm sure, you know, knowing Tom Izzo, he'll welcome that. And, and I think that's going to be the case for most mid-majors. So I don't think, or for most major conference teams. So I don't think Michigan State's getting, I think everybody, it's going to happen the same for everybody. So it's not going to be a disadvantage for Michigan State, but it's certainly going to be a, a very difficult schedule. And I think that first week will certainly kick things off uh, in good form. College, college basketball purists are very upset that you called Xavier a Big East team a mid-major. Uh, they are not <laughs> happy about that, that's for sure. You have any idea who might who they might get matched up with in the ACC Big Ten Challenge? I mean, North Carolina, Virginia would seem to be the logical choice. but uh, uh, the, the smart money is on Virginia. Um, two reasons. Yeah. One, uh, they haven't played them since like 2003 or something. It's been a crazy long time since they played them, so... Uh, my betting Virginia, but the other reason is well, they, they played in the Georgia, tournament twice recently, though, didn't they? The tournament, yeah, but, but they haven't been in the Big Ten ACC Challenge again. Oh, okay, so okay, a long time. And considering they both they're both always at the top of the standings, you know, it's like they also haven't played NC State in a while. But there's a reason for that. But um, the other reason is that Joey Hauser's older brother Sam um, plays for Virginia. You know, he set out last year like Joey did. Um, he's older, so he only has one year. So it's basically the Hauser brothers' one opportunity to play each other as college basketball players. And the ESPN can make that happen. I talked to Joey earlier this summer. Uh, those two are really, really, really want it to happen. They talk, he said they talk about it a lot. Uh, ESPN would certainly like it because that's a good TV storyline. So um, I, I've been told the smart money is on that, but you never really know until they're set. So. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, everyone knows that, uh, you know, 
uh, Michigan State, they're always going to be playing in these marquee events. They're going to have some top matchups. Um, and the Big Ten schedule will be interesting as well. Um, they're not trying to increase the the number of Big Ten games they play this year as of right now. Is that correct? No, I've been told it, it's still going to be 20. Um, so I think that's going to be, um, it's probably going to stay there. Probably still with the two in December and then the 18. I, I'll be curious. I mean, I think you got to build a little bit more cushion into the schedule somehow this year. If you have cancellations, I know Big Ten football didn't do it, and we'll see how that works out for them. But I'll be curious to see if they're if they're able to do that, and if because uh, there's going to be cancellations, there's going to be postponements. Um, I, I think that's a given. So um, I think they're going to try to have it be kind of similar. But I also think you, if you can, you got to be smart about knowing that games going to be postponed and kind of having these contingency plans. So. Um, I'll be curious when that comes out, how they account for that. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there uh, reporting on, you know, what's going to happen with all the preseason tournaments, what's going to happen. Uh, this season certainly is going to look different uh, than anything before. But uh, you mentioned the football schedule. Let's let's transition and bring Matt in here. Uh, Michigan State, uh, it's, as we mentioned last episode, it's an eight game plus one format where the last week of the season will be uh, like a Champions Week, a crossover game with a similarly uh, ranked team in the west side of the Big Ten Conference. Um, Matt, I'll, I'll ask you for your, some of your thoughts here uh, quickly, but I'll just read the schedule real quick. They open up at home against Rutgers. Halloween, they're at the big house against Michigan. Uh, at Iowa on November 7th, November 14th, they're home versus Indiana. November 21st, they're at Maryland. November 28th, they host Northwestern. And then they end the season in December with uh, a game hosting Ohio State at Spartan Stadium and end at Beaver Stadium uh, in Penn, at Penn State on December 12th. So um, when I, my first reaction when I saw this was the Spartans got a pretty good draw. But Matt, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a fair schedule for them. I mean, you you know that you're going to have to play all you know with it being eight games, you're going to play every team in, in the in the East, so that's a given. So it's just a matter of you know who who you're bringing in from from the West to play, and you know it's not bad for them when you when you look at it. Iowa and Northwestern. I know trip to Iowa is never easy, but um, you know it, it could have been worse. Uh, but you know, I think you know you, you get the opener that you. If, if I'm sure if they could have drawn it up, that was what you want. You play Rutgers at home. Uh, fitting matchup, you know, it's the, the only programs in the big 10 with new head coaches, neither program got a uh, single spring practice in before it was wiped out. So uh, I think it's very fair for those two to play each other. The first, uh, first game of the year. Um, and then from there, you know, you get to dive into road trip to Michigan, although there's, you know, there's now no fans then at Iowa, that's tough, but you get into the middle of the schedule and it's, you, you play, a, you know, an, an Indiana team that's on the rise, but you're at home instead of playing there, which we were scheduled to do originally. Maryland and Northwestern, those are winnable games, toss-ups. And then, you know, and then it's brutal at the end against Ohio State and at Penn State. But uh, at least you get the, the length of the season to uh, prepare for two of the toughest teams, obviously. You can argue the, the two top teams in the Big Ten right there at the end. How, how strange and spooky is it going to be Michigan and Michigan State on Halloween in an empty big house. I mean, that, that yeah, is going to be a scene. <laughs> that'll be weird. I think the game, was it 16? It was right around, Hall I don't know if it was Halloween day. I, for some reason, I feel like it was, but that was at Spartan Stadium. Uh, it was a different kind of year, but uh, yeah, it'd be really weird, you know, to, you know, a hundred some thousand people not there. So, uh, but it'll be, you know, I mean, if, if, if you're going to if Mel Tucker is going to have to go on the road to Michigan, the second game uh, as a as a head coach at Michigan State, uh, no fans in the stand uh, that that obviously uh, 
isn't a problem. It, it, it can only help them, I would say. Uh, yes, it's perfectly set up for strange things to happen, you could say. Uh, you know, perhaps a, a repeat of the ball is free, perhaps, or uh, some sort of weird deflection Hail Mary. Uh, I'm calling it now. Some weird stuff's going down that night, for sure. Uh, it might not be a close game, but there's going to be some weird things happening uh, this season yeah. across the board. <laughs> yeah, and Michigan's got plenty of turnover from last year, too. They're going to be breaking a new quarterback. They lost some of their, you know, their top players. And, and you know, I know that they get some guys opting back in, but still at the same time, it's just, this isn't a team like last year that I think you look at it going into the season and think, yeah, I think Michigan's got a chance to to win a, the Big Ten title. I think it's it's Ohio State and everybody else. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be weird across the board frankly, you know, but between how little practice some of these teams have had, I mean, and there's going to be some sloppy football, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've seen that across, but also, you know, you never know who's out uh, with, with COVID, whether it's, it's testing mm-hmm. or contact tracing or whatnot. And, and you look at some of these results around the country, you know, K-State losing, I think it was to Arkansas State they lost to, um, mm-hmm. and then turn around and beat Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, yeah. crazy stuff like that. I mean, I think things like that are going to happen in the Big Ten too. Um, and maybe Michigan State will benefit. Maybe they'll not benefit from some of it. But I think we will see some crazy results this year compared to most years. Yeah, well, and yeah I'd, be, I'd be surprised if they played all nine games. I just, you know, it's just the way it is. You, know, you see everything week to week. It, you have no built-in flexibility to have to play nine games in nine weeks with the protocols that are out there and, and the benchmarks for having to shut uh, teams down for a minimum of seven days positive. Uh, COVID cases, each individual being out for a minimum of 21 days. Uh, it, I think it's going to it's gonna be bumpy. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen, you know, every week this year, games postponed. Speaking of South Alabama, they just had their game against Troy postponed this weekend. Uh, and also, it's hit the NFL now, where currently the, the Steelers and Titans aren't playing a game. Uh, it sounds like we could, might end up with some Tuesday night football. Perhaps they need to consult with uh, the Matt Commissioner on how to properly, you know, host games on Tuesday night. Uh, but uh, So that's some news from the NFL world. But yeah, I mean, even in these early season games, we've seen weird results. The playing field has, without a doubt, been evened with these limited fans, um, limited prep time. It's going to be a fascinating season to watch in one way or another. So in regards to realistic expectations, I mean, I, I hate, you know, the I'm not mad. I don't want you to go down game by game and tell me who's going to win because things yeah. are changing so much. But, you know, I think the logical person could look at this schedule and say four and four is attainable. You know, that's kind of the, the easy money. We did see uh, senior D defensive tackle Naquan Jones sent out a tweet, you know, calling us Spartan fans all disrespectful for predicting a four and four season. Um, But, you know, it could be five and three. It could be three and five. The last game against Penn State, um, which, by the way, is where it should be in rivalry week. Do not disrespect the land grant trophy rivalry (laughs) game. Uh, um, so only, only good thing to come from the from the COVID uh, nineteen crisis. Yes, the yes. Grand Trophy is back where it needs to be. Yeah, so uh, I I see that as a game that maybe the Spartans could sneak up and win. They did it last time with an inferior team. It's late in the season. Uh, there won't be whiteout conditions in the stands, but possibly on the field. So, uh, do you see fours four and four as a reasonable prediction, Matt? Yeah, it's right around there. You know, assuming the the season goes off, the schedule is played as it's laid out, um, which can be tricky. Obviously, I think I think four and four, three and five, five and three, right in there. I think the the last over and under was set at three point five for them, and I think that's really fair. You look at their schedule, you'd you'd say Rutgers, Maryland, Northwestern. Those are the three most the three most winnable games, obviously. And then Indiana checks in behind that. Although I think Indiana is going to, I think Indiana has the potential to surprise some people. I really like uh, 
uh, with, with Penix, their, their quarterback. He was really impressive. So, and then after that, you know, at Michigan, that's tough. You're going to be obviously underdog. At Iowa, you're obviously an underdog. Versus Ohio State, you're a huge underdog. And at Penn State, you're probably a, a big underdog. At the They're end really of the year. good so, at setting Penn State, though. Some, something about that. I mean, they've had two or three. They've got, they've been able to do that. I'm not yeah, sure they, I mean, well. I'm not quite as optimistic as Brandon, but that seems to be the one team that they seem to be able to rise up and uh, yeah, they upset from time to time. They upset them. Uh, they were, Penn State was in the top ten team in seventeen and eighteen, and Michigan State won both those. I still mm-hmm. that eighteen game at Penn State. I still don't know how. They yeah. <laughs> one of those where you're sitting in the press box and you know you hit Lewerke hit Spelton for that. Were they hitting double like, passes and stuff in that game and like uh, there was one. And- there was yeah. like a, there was like a, there was a fake, and then I think Hayward completed a pass to Cam Chambers or something. I it was, <laughs> it, 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 Penn State had plenty of opportunities to put that one away, but Michigan State just kept bending and and not letting him do it, and he let him hang around and get the ball back, and that's what happens. Great yeah, environment cool. for football, though. That was a, that was a lot of fun being there for that. Yeah, and the year before was a game I was at, which was like a seven, eight-hour marathon because of the rain delay. But it was when they, I believe they held, they were the only team to hold Saquon Barkley under 100 yards. Yeah. Um, but so, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good rivalry. Like I said, respect the land-grant trophy. <laughs> this is a good rivalry matchup. I hate that it doesn't get the respect. It hasn't caught on. You guys might feel differently, but I like that it's back at the end of the season. I, I It's funny, I... When they moved it off, I mean, there were, people didn't seem to care that much. Um, but I thought that that was a meaningful thing for them to have at the end of the year. And I, I thought it was actually getting a little chippy. I remember the, the Jack Allen touchdown a couple of years ago um, <laughs> when, when they were killing them at Spartan Stadium and they kind of messed around and did that. And then I, I was on the beat then in 16. So I remember going there and um, Penn State was running them out and they were running up the score and throwing over the top in the fourth quarter. And they made it very clear afterwards that um, – that the Jack Allen touchdown that they were basically running up on him because of it. Um, and I thought they're like, all right, maybe we're getting a little chippy here, but I'm not sure. It's, I think it's kind of settled down a little bit, but I, I want to see them have, I mean, obviously they have Michigan, but I, I want to see another two rival there. You know, let's get the land grant. Let's turn the heat up a little bit on that. I say. Yeah. Well, they, they took away You know, we don't, I mean, Notre Dame is obviously, I think you'd say is our main sec or Michigan state's main second rival, but obviously that series has gone away as uh, you know, Notre Dame continues to want to be part of the Atlantic coast conference because they're cowards, but uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a topic for another day, I suppose. Uh, let's move on. Let's move forward. Um, we've had some more news. We're just going to kind of hit it uh, bullet point style here. Since we talked last time, uh, Jacob Panasuk, uh, senior senior defensive lineman has opted back in. That's a big one, right, Matt? Oh, yeah. I mean, out of the four guys that had opted out, you know, two were starters. He was one, and, and you know, you, you could make a case that he might be the most, most important of the group. I don't, I don't know him and Jordan Reed, but, you know, I mean, he's your two-year starter at the end, you know, and you, you lose your other three starting defensive linemen, including including Kenny, who was, a, you know, obviously a three-year starter. You need production, and, and he's obviously the most experienced guy at the spot. And, you know, the other end position is kind of a toss-up a little bit at this point. So to get uh, get Jacob back for his senior year, there's uh, obviously a huge benefit to the defense. No word on the other guys? Uh, Marcel Lewis, he, he's a redshirt freshman backup linebacker. Played a little bit uh, last year, mostly in special teams, if I remember right. Uh, he's back in. Uh, said he made the decision not back in even before the Big Ten reverse their decision whatever that means but uh no word yet on either jordan reed and or justin stevens reed's obviously a uh starting right tackle he's been the one constant on that line the last two seasons started uh every game the last two years and then uh justin stevens is a true freshman offensive lineman and um no word from him either we we talked to last time we talked to mel which was 
about two weeks ago now, I think the 17th, he said he thought those opt-in, opt-out decisions would be uh, settled pretty within the next couple of days. And, you know, we're, we're about two weeks out and there's still a couple of question marks, but we're supposed to talk to him, uh, I think, on Tuesday next week. And uh, uh, we should uh, settle that. So, the, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you would think they would want that figured out sooner rather than later. So they know who they're going to have. So, um, yeah, I but, assume they probably have it figured out internally. This, these are guys I assume just haven't made it public. So right. that would be my assumption. So um, no quarterbacks have opted out, uh, but obviously everyone's going to be asking, you know, uh, Brian Lewerke's three-year reign as the starting quarterback is over. Um, it seems wide open. Uh, Rocky Lombardi, the redshirt junior who played uh, some last year, um, seems like the the likely front runner, but you also have Theo Day, the redshirt sophomore, Peyton Thorne, redshirt freshman, and Noah Kim, the true freshman, um, and a couple other of Matt's favorites, I think, are, are also on the roster. <laughs> but uh, what what do we has Mel really given any hints? Is this an open competition? Is it Rocky's job? Um, I mean, they haven't even started practice yet, so this could be wide yeah. open. I mean, Mel actually used that term open competition, though, you know, the last time we talked to him, I believe it was the last time. Either way, it was when the season was reinstated. Um, so, yeah, that was the last time. <laughs> you know, he said that, you know, in the five days of fall camp they had, they didn't have much chance to really evaluate the guys and said he's looking forward to the competition continuing. I mean, if you try to read the signals, um, Michigan State is kind of they're putting Rocky out there as the guy. I mean, you know, it's. Yeah, I think the when the guys got sent home in the spring, they did these like uh, Instagram takeovers where like a day in the life of a player at home. I believe the first one that was done by a player was was Rocky, which will tell you what they think of him. And then, you know, they, they've had a couple of player availabilities, you know, whether it was audio. Uh, we did a co- conference call and then we've done a couple of Zoom things and we've talked to Rock, Rocky multiple times, which means, you know, they're putting him out there as as one of the public faces and voices for the program, which tells you that yes. they, they believe in him. Um, but you know, again, it's, it's, it's hard to tell because, you know, we got a, a little bit of a look at Rocky in 18 when, when he hit made three starts when Brian was injured. Um, now he didn't really get much last year. I mean, he played, but I mean, it wasn't, it, he was not put in games with the best opportunity. I mean, it would be Michigan state's down by 20. The other team punts, pins him at the three and they send Rocky in. And it's like, all right, well, what do you, I don't know what you're really expecting the guy to do. And so, I mean, his play hasn't. There's, he hasn't done it with his play, won the job, but I mean, the opportunities last year were limited. So whatever he's done in practice, maybe, maybe that's it. But, and then the other guys, we've, we, Theo Day's thrown three college passes and Peyton Thorne hasn't taken a snap for the Spartans. So all those two guys still remain more of the unknowns, but I would Matt, say if I had to put money on it, Rocky would be your week one starter. Yeah. I'd be shocked at- if I can right about him. Um, because uh, you know, what you said about the fact that they're making bringing him out, making him the face of face or not the face of the program, but a, a um, somebody who's representing the program that that says a lot to me. If they really thought there was a lot of uncertainty, they wouldn't have any quarterbacks talking at all. I think, and the and the head coach signs off on on a lot of that stuff. So I, that's my that's my read between the lines, but could be surprised. Matt, I don't know where you were a couple of years ago when Michigan State hosted Purdue and Rocky came on the field and led him to victory and threw three touchdowns and everyone was going, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. It was just absolutely fantastic. The guy's a star. Uh, yeah, I was at the game. I remember covering it. Um, I, I also provided a big caveat. I thought he played well, but I thought the big thing was that Purdue team had one of the worst pass defenses in the nation in, uh, in 18. Don't so. get caught up in facts and uh, details. And I think- Actually, yeah. after the fact, if I remember right, I think Rocky said he played. He thought he played better uh, against Nebraska, the 
his second start. And to be fair, I remember that game and it was the conditions sucked. It was cold. It was windy. It was snowy. And I thought he threw the ball decently. And then he, they had just had like um, eight, 10 drops that game. That was a game. He should have went three and zero as a starter. But, but Brandon, you're, you're also you're also going to be aware though that the uh, those same fans chanted "We want Terry" in 2013. Um, <laughs> and I think we all know how that turned out. So I'm not sure I put a whole lot of stock in. Love love the fans, but I'm, I'm not sure I'd trust them to pick the quarterback. Yes, they've been known to cheer for to become big fans of the backup quarterback and then quickly change their mind. That's definitely for sure. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, was that the like nine six game in Nebraska, Matt? I remember that game was terrible. Yes, I think that was it. Like- it was uh, great, great stadium, great atmosphere, but not much offense that day. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to uh, to watch. I, I think we all agree that uh, Rocky Lombardi is the leader in the clubhouse. So uh, let's move on to two other key players that you had a chance to talk to this week um, and just kind of talk about what their outlooks look like. I mean, I think probably the player on Michigan State's offense that's getting the most preseason hype in terms of awards or possible conference accolades uh, is the young running back Elijah Collins. Burst on the scene against Western Michigan last year, a game immortalized, of course, by everyone's favorite neon uniforms. Um, so, yeah, breakthrough breakthrough year, fourth in the Big Ten, 988 rushing yards. Um, I believe he was one of the, the top freshman runners uh, in the country, actually. Um, it's his job moving forward. So um, I know you talked to Elijah the other day. Uh, what's sort of his outlook on building building off a great a great season? Yeah, I mean, he basically said it's a new year. Um, you know, he understands the position he's in. He's now, you know, the, the he's the starter. He's the guy, but he knows there's others in the room. Uh, you know, Connor Hayward's back. You got some freshmen in there. Um, Anthony Williams from last year, Brandon Wright, who are returning as sophomores. Um, so he, he basically said, yeah, I mean, I, everybody wants my spot, and that just makes me uh, makes me even better. So I think he's cognizant of both. One, he's a starter, and two, you know, there are guys behind him that'll push him just a little bit. Um, he said he was glad to have Connor Hayward back in there and said they've always got along. Um, and other than that, he said he's been basically been trying to work on his speed a lot. Um, he didn't like the fact that he, he wanted to break off more uh, longer runs for touchdowns last year. thought that was one element that was missing and something to look for this year. So I, I personally would like to see that. I mean, Hayward's going to be involved, obviously. I, I I would like to see them use Hayward more as like a, a pass catching back to me uh, throughout his career. He's been marginally, I mean, he's been ineffective as a runner at times. I don't see the great burst. Definitely don't see the same cutting ability that Elijah Collins has in vision, but I have seen it in the passing game with Connor Hayward. Do you, do you think that maybe that's something that this new offensive staff will look to get him more involved in? Absolutely. I think I'd go back. He was a freshman in 17, if I remember right. Uh, I think it was Madre London said he had the best hands on the team. Um, and you look at, you know, his ability to catch out of the backfield. That's that's definitely a highlight for him. And he's probably, you know, from from what you've seen, uh, probably their best guy in pass pro. So there, I think there's definitely a role for Connor. Absolutely. For sure. Um, and then the other guy that I want to touch on before we sign off here is is Jaden Reed. He was a freshman All America at Western Michigan two years ago. Uh, had to had to sit out last year, which was too bad because they really could have used him at receiver last year. I expect him to be a big time impact player and perhaps be their best receiver. Uh, Trey Mosley, Jalen Naylor, C.J. Hayes. I guess you could 
expect to also be involved. But uh, what's Jaden Reed's outlook coming from, uh, you know, had to sit out a year and kind of witness what was going on last year. And how do you see him mixing with the other receivers on the roster? Yeah. I mean, I think he's the guy, I mean, I think you kind of know what you're going to get in Elijah and, and you expect him to be the leading rusher and be a, you know, a huge part of the offense. But I think Jaden Reed's the guy I'm, I'm most interested to see uh, him this year outside of the quarterback. I, I want to see, you know, what he's going to bring to this offense. Cause he was, you know, obviously successful at Western. He said that, uh, you know, his competitiveness, you know, to play at a higher level, you know, move up, you know, transfer to Michigan state is what, sparked the the move and he thought that sitting out last year was was good for him thought it made him better thought it made him a more patient person and uh you know he thinks he thinks that uh he, he thinks the wide receivers overall are going to surprise people and he talked about uh you know the ability to stretch uh defenses vertically in the explosive plays and actually here's here's a fun fact or stat for you guys i'll be interested to see your guess last year in the pinstripe bowl trenton gillison had a 64 yard catch when how long? When do you think was the last time they had a reception of more than fifty yards before that? No, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid going. my answer is going to sound insulting to them. Yeah, I know. Um, um, I mean, it, it probably I'd say it was over a year before that. Didn't Jalen Naylor have like a, a long reception against Indiana maybe last year? Or uh, that was technically a run. Oh. Okay, well, I'm not crazy then. I mean, it's got to be somewhat recently, right? Uh, 17 season, that triple overtime loss at uh, Northwestern. Cody White had a 60-yard catch. If I remember right, I haven't looked it up, but I think that may have been that kind of Hail Mary lurk he threw up scrambling out of there. But, um, yeah, so obviously uh, explosiveness in the passing game hasn't been there recently. Um, so I think, uh, and when you look at it, I mean, of the, of the plays they had last year that went for uh, uh, pass plays of more than 20 yards, they had 42 of them. 28 of those belonged to Daryl Stewart and Cody White, and those guys are both gone. So you got to replace your top two receivers, but I think Jaden Reed is, is definitely poised to be a major factor for them. And then, like you mentioned, you know, bringing Trey Mosley back, Jalen Naylor, uh, I always said explosiveness if he can stay healthy. Um, but I think, you know, for, for what they lost in, in the passing game, um, I think they'll be fine at receiver this year. Hey, you know what yeah. stood out to me in that conversation, too, was he, he got asked if, if he's been back at punt return or return game at all. And he was kind of <laughs> coy, I thought, Matt. He's like, yeah, I've been back there. We'll see. And maybe he's just playing it cool, but. You know, they gosh, they need somebody like that returning in the worst way because this the return game for Michigan State has been just so it had no spark for a very long time, and maybe it's going to change with this new staff. But man, you got a guy if he's as advertised, you need him back there returning punts. You need a threat back there. Uh, it's been so long since you've really they've had anybody back there who you really feel like is a threat to house it. And it sounds like he will be if they decide to put him back there. Kyle, yeah, how dare I think, you? How dare you disrespect? <laughs> Disrespect. Hey, Deshaun, like this Deshaun Martin was, was a great returner. I, I don't know about anybody since then, but I like didn't they have like an eighth year senior back there the last six years. <laughs> uh, Brandon Stowards, uh, yes, White mostly the last two years. Um, no, I, I, what Kyle said is dead on. I mean, they have, they have lacked the explosiveness in the return game. And I think part of that is, was Mark uh, prioritizing ball security overall, everything else. And that's not to say that's wrong. I mean, that's every coach tell you the most important thing on special teams is getting the ball back. Um, but I think you could, you could see times where they were being maybe, you know, you, you, I don't know what's going on in practice, but maybe being a little overly cautious in, in who they marched out there on returns, considering what you got as a result of it. 
All right. Well, we're, we're going long here. I'm going to get yelled at if we don't as much as I could sit here and talk about this all day. Uh, guys, October is coming. It's coming. The season is coming. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm watching every college football game I can because you never know when it's going to be stripped away, uh, you know, (laughs) so I'm, I'm, I'm watching it all. I'm super pumped getting ready to see the big 10 get back in action because then it will truly feel like college football Saturday again. Um, so we will be there covering it the whole way. Uh, Matt and Kyle are are covering all the Michigan state angles on MLive.com. You can check it out there. Uh, we appreciate you for listening. We're looking forward uh, to the season. So thanks for listening. And until next time, go green.